This is a headgum podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, Halflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... Luyando Nati Lewis Nyao, but everybody calls me Unati. And... Jeremy Cobb, but Eric Silver from Join the Party calls me Cobb Job. (laughs) 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 I don't remember why, where that nickname came from. But it's not what you think. But it's... It's very well. It, it could be evocative of a number of yeah. things. Yeah, thing. like I started in a good place, and then I went to the sunken place, place, and then I came, and then it was, then I went to the bad place, and um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it depends. Some people could be very into the idea of a cop job. Other people <laughs> maybe thought of odd job. The, the, the yeah. Uh, yeah. the James Bond character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be a job that is specifically meant for a cop. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is this looks like a cop job. <laughs> Well, uh, here to rescue us from the sunken place, we have an extra special guest today, uh, who I'm very, very excited uh, to welcome to the show. Uh, they are a creator uh, of TTRPG games, uh, including Plot Armor and Mutants of the Night, and most recently, get a load of this, most recently, the creative director of D20 Dimension 20, oh my word, Orion Black, how are you doing? Welcome to Three Black Halflings! I am tired, but I'm good. <laughs> we appreciate you being here. Oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. Full Prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> Let's make them even more black! Cake glitches and bitches. Lands in the cusp of a teaspoon? Oh no! On a nap. into something real big now. Thanks for having me. It's long weeks right now, right? No. you got a lot on right now, I'm guessing. Uh, so much. Yeah. Uh, for reference, if you're listening to this at a later point, we are release- we're recording this just after uh, Misfits and Magic has just uh, sort of premiered, I guess. It was, uh, was it yesterday, officially? I get confused with time zones. Wednesday. Wednesday, that was it. Probably a busy old week for, for you, Ryan. <laughs> yes. Uh, lots of things going on, both with Misfits and Magic, and all of the press, and then all of the other things I'm working on behind the scenes. Ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Dropping that sneaky, tease sneaky in content. early. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, so, Ryan, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. This is very exciting. Uh, we were uh, so happy about that we get the opportunity to talk to you. We thought we'd start off, or well, we always start off with our guests, which is like a bit of an origin story, if you will. Like, when did you... Oh, fall in love with TTRPGs? Like, what was it about TTRPGs that you fell in love with? Just like, yeah, tell our listeners, like, how did you decide this is the thing for me? Because uh, a girl was very cute. Hey! <laughs> now, finally is, an honest answer. Finally oh, no, an honest 100%. answer. <laughs> uh, I had yes. a crush on this one girl 
<laughs> great smile and freckles. That's like, for oh, me, damn. if you have a great smile and freckles, you're <laughs> above the tens. Like you're in the heavenly realm. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gone to a lesson, so, so to speak. Right. <laughs> so uh, this girl's like, hey, do you want to play d and I'm like, I, I want to play whatever. Like, I just want to be around. I'm yeah. down. I'm down. <laughs> so she takes me to uh, this one classroom where the teacher is like this really cool, nerdy, like lady. And we just play like one one person D and D. She's jamming, and I'm playing. Wow! And uh, there was this there was this really big wall. I don't remember. Maybe it was a guard wall or something. It really does not matter. But um, I was like, "Hey, can I climb this wall?" And she was like, "Yeah, roll your thing." And I rolled, and it was a nat twenty. <gasps> and Ooh. she freaked out, and I was like. I'm in. There we, go. <laughs> we got it. Like, I just did something Forever. really good. Like 110. percent This is cool. Uh, and after that, uh, it turns out that the teacher of that classroom uh, was both the parent to three sons who also went to the school, uh, and they also lived like two blocks away from the school, and they were the house on the block where everybody would come and hang out, and so uh, they also played D and D. So I started hanging out over there, playing D&D, doing nerdy stuff, and uh, I played for, from when I was like 15 to like 20, 21, mm-hmm. and then I took a big break and started playing again in like 2015, mm. something like that. I feel like that's similar for a lot of people I've spoken to. It's like, there's like a weird gap. I know I definitely had it with like nerd stuff. It's like, there's a weird gap between like, I'm a kid, I'm a kid, I'll do whatever I want, I'll play whatever I want. And they're like, I'm an adult now, I must stop this stuff. And then you'd like, a few years later, like, what the hell was I thinking? (laughs) I'm going to pick up that book again. (laughs) That that weird gap seems to coincide, uh, perhaps completely coincidentally, very consistently with the advent of fourth edition. I've noticed. <laughs> uh, in terms of, it's like we go from 3.5 to 4, and suddenly a bunch of people just stop playing and they don't remember why. And they came back when 5th edition were like, oh, this is great. I've never opened a 4E book. I've never played 4E. Like, everyone I know talks about it, and they're like, all the, the tabletop people who don't really like 5E are like, 4E is this genius thing that really does what the things do. And I just think it's really f- way more fun to have no information about what they're talking about. <laughs> so I'm just n- probably never going to touch 4E. I, I will fully cop to the fact that I d- didn't think there was a 4E for like the longest time. It was probably like a few months ago that I realized that 4E was actually a thing. I just thought it was a really weird thing where they were like, we're going to go from 35 all the way to five. Like, and I was like, I don't know why, but sure, that's a thing that people do. Someone like Xbox just goes like 360, then X, then Summit yeah, Series. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or I was like, like Microsoft, Windows, yeah. like Windows 7, Windows 8, and then like there was no Windows 9. It was just 10. It just went straight to Windows yeah, 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's basically what I thought it was. And then, so yeah, there we go. Fourth edition. So yes, amazing. I, I love that origin story. I love the fact that it was because of a cute girl. I just think that's amazing. Absolutely. I think that is like, I genuinely think that's like a fully honest answer as well. Like that that's just like, look, I'm going to tell you that, 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 like, that's the reason why that's, that is a reason that has informed a lot of choices in my life. Like more than I would like to think from childhood upwards of just like, huh, people c- kind of impressed when I did that acting thing. She was kind of impressed when I did the acting thing, 
boom, actor. Terrible decision. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could have been <laughs> a dentist or something. You know what I mean? I could be earning Why? some money right now. Do you want to right inflict now. pain? No, well, no, but like, they just, you know, it's like I, a couple well, years. Well, this coming in, from the, like, I stand necromancers, so never mind. <laughs> I, I, I take back my previous question. How dare you? <laughs> I'm going to deflect immediately with another question for Orion, if I may. Um... We, uh, we'd actually asked our patrons for some questions and it coincided with a question that I wanted to know. So Goblin Snack and I, which is one of our patrons, would like to know what is the origin story of you and D20? Creative director at D20. That's like, what a, what a job. That's, yeah. a, that's amazing. That's yeah, they just gave me a promotion too. Wild. Oh, I'm like oh official, damn, yes. I'm official staff now. I was like, yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. That's the, y'all get the hot, fresh news. Yes, oh, okay. congratulations. We got the big yeah. scoop, folks. We got the big scoop. <laughs> Carter boys, yes. we got a new headline. That's amazing, congratulations. Yeah, uh, it was slow going. Uh, shout outs to Tanya to pass because it all started with Tanya. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't everything? Tanya at some point, somewhere, kind of like ta- I owe Tanya probably like thirty percent of my success in tabletop <laughs> role playing games, and I will <laughs> never deny that. Uh, Tanya has just like swooped in and be like, "Hey, I put your name in for a thing. Or I told somebody about you, and it has led to like really good things." Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout outs to you, Tanya. You're the best. Um, <laughs> I. Ended up getting a call from Brennan about doing a consultancy for, I think it was Unsleeping City Mm. Season 1 or something. Like, it was pretty early. And uh, maybe it was Season 2. I don't remember. But I did a consultancy, and uh, me and Brennan were talking. But while we were talking, we were just, like, super vibing. Like, just understanding each other creatively. And I was really comfortable. And, uh... It was cool. We just talked and I was like, I feel like even though like business and friendships very separate from each other, not this time. It was like, oh, that dude's awesome. Like, I feel like I just talked to a friend on the phone. Mm. It was great. Like a year later, I get another call for another consulting gig and I consult on something that didn't end up becoming a show. And uh, it was all cool. It was basically the same thing. We talked, had a good time and I was like, like that guy. Uh, then after, it was like the day after, uh, I ended up leaving Watsi, Brennan sent me this email. It was a long email, uh, (laughs) being like, yo, everyone over here, we support you. Like, we'll fucking burn everything down. Like, like it was super (laughs) straight. Brennan Lee Mulligan being aggressively, like, wholesome and incredible? Nah, I don't buy it, man. I don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't true. (laughs) And, like, at the end of the email, he was like, hit me up anytime for, like, work or anything. We're doing stuff. I was like, cool. I took a month off, so, like, I didn't answer any emails. And then, like, the first day of the next month, I looked through all my emails, and I was like, I don't want to reply to a lot of these people. Um, and I saw Brennan's, and I was like, sup, you got work? <laughs> like, <pretty much> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, what you got for me? <laughs> yeah, because I, I wanted eat. to start easing back into work. I didn't want to, like, huh. get into a full-time gig immediately. So I was very tired, and we were in the middle of the uh, lockdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Brennan talked to 
the producers, executives, stuff like that, people were like, yeah, like this person seems cool. I started being a creative and sensitivity consultant. So I just watch footage and be like, put this music here. Or like put this sound effect over there or cut this out or make this. Uh, that's mm, that kind mm. of stuff. I still do that now, but that's like so much less of my job. <laughs> uh, I did uh, Pirates of Leviathan and they were really happy. They were just, they were like, this is wonderful. This is great. Brennan was really happy because he's, he was the only creative for a long time. Mm. And like having someone like a second opinion, someone to bounce stuff off of yeah. someone who's like mm-hmm. doing a good chunk of stuff that he was doing uh, was really helpful for him. And then it started to just increase a little bit at a time. Like uh, I did another season. It was Unsleeping City, City season two. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was Mice and Murder. I'm probably forgetting something. But uh, I think that's all of them. That's the that's the timeline mm. that they came. That, I, having watched them all as they were coming <laughs> out, I don't know what the production timeline was, but that was definitely the release timeline. So I think yeah. you're on track. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing those and uh, just going through the episodes, doing stuff. But it started to become more of me coming into meetings, into creative meetings, and, like giving ideas and stuff like that, and like. I was getting paid for like all of these individual instances of like showing up and it just started to increase and increase. Mm. So uh, there came a point where I was like, okay, I need full-time work though. Cause like, this is cool. And I definitely signed up for like part-time stuff, but it's getting to the point where I need full-time and Brennan, uh, we had been talking and he had been hatching a scheme the whole time <laughs> to like, to get me full-time on that. He, <laughs> from the beginning, he was like, look, I'm going to make this happen. We're going to work together. It's going to be awesome. I was like, absolutely. So uh, January like, passed by, and I was doing a pretty considerable amount of work by then. Um, and Brennan just kept hitting me back, being like, hey, they're figuring it out. They're trying to figure out what your role is going to be, like what your responsibilities are going to be. They don't know a lot of stuff about tabletop <laughs> and the thing, and like, you're the perfect fit for this. You like saved me so much time and energy let's go. And so I was just like, okay, I'll wait. And then end of the month, uh, David Kearns, a producer who I now work with like every day, uh, was like, Hey, we want to offer you a creative director position. And I was like, Damn. on my face, it was just like, Oh, cool. <laughs> Inside. I'm like, creative fucking director. <laughs> what is what? that? <laughs> oh what do you mean? What? <laughs> Like, director is in there. Uh, <laughs> did you, uh, sorry, sir, did you misspeak for a second there? Because for a sweet second, I thought you said director. <laughs> Just, pretty much. Did you, did you? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, this is kind of kind of a really good note about my relationship with D20, is that I was so unprepared for that because I was so used to people devaluing my creations and, like, my mm, work. Mm, that I was mm. like, I thought I was going to be, like, writer <laughs> like yeah, just yeah yeah something like that right yeah. like i thought i was gonna like work for brennan or something and they're like no you're creative director of the whole thing like all of dimension 20 uh <laughs> wow. i love that you went from part-time yes. like like freelance to part-time to then running the show love yeah. that really <laughs> love that but i think just, that's like it's, it's that's, that's so like um that's so like 
amazing to know that like they knew your value and like your worth and they went in and gave you exactly what you were uh, like do you know what I mean what you were like there for do you know what I mean like yeah. it's so yeah. rare I think in life that you actually get someone who's willing to be like look we we know you we trust you let's give you your mm. shit right now do you know what I mean let's not like yeah. mess around because mm. they could have easily messed around for a couple of years given you writer given you this and eventually you would have ended up being the creative director but they were like wait no they're ready. Yeah, do you know what They're I mean? And, and I think it's a thing we all keep like kind of saying repeatedly when we talk about diversity and, and inclusion at like corporate level or sort of like, and in like the upper echelons. It's kind of like, you know, you see how easy it is? You just make them creative directors. You just do it. You, see? <laughs> you know what I mean? You see? You just do yeah. it. You don't yeah. like go, it's a process. Mm, We've got mm, to mm, evaluate mm. things. It'll take time. Mm. Be pa- yeah. Just make them creative director. I, I, Problem solved. I will say though, I do think this is like a, a unique position in which there is a, uh, there is a white person at the top of this uh or like who is kind of in charge of that who isn't afraid to just be like yeah i'm i'm yeah. more than happy to talk to someone that, else know, or answer someone yeah. else this is fine yeah Do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah like, yeah i and think that also um, helps <laughs> there's a yeah. you know no absolutely and i guess i sorry like i, I may have um, oh no i'm definitely not defending unclear. them don't worry <laughs> yeah yeah like i, I yeah like not i feel like i feel like it, it starts with mm. our, like it's yes yeah, a combination and it kind of starts with our allies right and like you know brendan's just so lovely and they mentioned trendy just so great and it was just like you're so amazing yeah. like why not be amazing together and make more amazing things yeah for sure for sure you know? we're yeah very very big fans and it was a it was a that's one of those like most wholesome announcements to make uh well like when you're to see come up on your timeline uh you know orion black yeah, uh, creative cool. director it was a very very cool moment speaking of very very cool moments jeremy i think you actually had the question so feel free if you want to ask it about uh Abria. Yes. yeah oh wait which question no i go i thought you were oh, okay, I was, like, apologies. Looking at the list okay I'll, like, I'll just jump in i think jeremy i believe this was your question jeremy tell so. me yeah what question did uh, i have please tell me i'm curious uh, you I asked, are you jet lag <laughs> <laughs> look you have no idea how insane the last 24 hours have been. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I've got you, we got you. Jasper, read that question away. Read that tell question me, away. Please tell me so, what previous me thought was a good question uh, to ask. Jeremy previously <laughs> thought this would be a very good question to ask, and I agree with Jeremy, past Jeremy, mm. uh, which is that was the aim always to have a guest DM on the new um, season, uh, was it like, you know, and then have Brennan playing, uh, and then was it always going to be Abria? Because obviously, because that was another another incredible announcement the summer of Rebria announcement that happened <laughs> you know and you're not even summer playing D&D this season it's yeah yeah it's like what it's a, a thing. complete transition for, to a different game as well yeah those were all my choices yeah they just they keep saying yes it's just weird uh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I mean when you're the director they you say it yeah. and then it happens like, pretty much you know <laughs> what was the, well what was the motivation behind the initial decision to like swap out mm. dms for this season i want more people to shine like mm. there's a lot of room especially with me being there because like you take all the stuff that brennan has done already and then you just like add another person who can do pretty much just as much like the amount of things we could do just increase without having to take away from anything else mm. and mm. so i was like uh the thing that I make, we're not going to do D&D, and we're going to have a different GM. And uh, we're going to have Brennan as a player, because that's something that's been highly requested, too. It would probably be really weird if Brennan was just, like, not at all involved. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, that was pretty much it. And then when it came to having a GM, it was a really funny conversation, because all of us... I had a list of people that I was like, I want to work with these people. And uh, at the top of my list was Abria. 
She's at the top me of most Bria lists. Never, to be honest, yes. like even non me, not, even non GM, non TTRPG lists, just general yeah. lists. Abrier is yes. somewhere yeah. at the top. I went yes. to the supermarket last week, and I was surprised to find she was at the top of she my was list. Top, yeah, exactly. I didn't exactly. remember putting her on. Yeah. <laughs> Worthy to pick up Hammer's Thor, indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hammer's Thor. I'm gonna leave it like that. Yeah. Hammer's Thor, man. Yeah. yeah it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. We're hot. No. So we come into this meeting. And I'm talking about the stuff that I want to do, and everyone's like, "Okay, so about the GM." And everyone pretty much went, "Abria, Abria, Abria, Abria." I love Abria. Like it's just everybody going Abria, and like no one had coordinated. Everyone was just like, "Yeah, Abria Ingar, like has to be." Mm-hmm. So uh, awesome. I was super excited because me and Abria had like never talked. And like we were mutuals on Twitter mm. and just saw each other's stuff and were just mutual fans of each other. I didn't really know that until like uh, I talked to her. But I was like, yo, Abria, absolutely want to work with you. We haven't done it before. It's been like three years of tabletop or whatever. Mm. And Abria's like, oh my God, I super been wanting to work with you. Let's absolutely do this. And uh, we started talking creative stuff and it just exploded. Like, Mm. It's incredible working with Abria. She's extremely smart. She can make all the things happen. It's actual like in-game GM stuff. Able to just uh, flip anything so that the the consistency of where they're going starts to work out while still being able to incorporate things that we thought were important. And like, it's absolutely bonkers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Abria is like I'm a huge Abria fan. I will never not be a huge Bria fan. Yeah, I think we could go as far mm. to say that like, we are a Bria stands on this show. Like, from yeah, the second that Bria came on this show, we were like, oh, piss damn. Whippets. Oh, damn. Yeah, exactly. From Piss Whippets <laughs> onwards, we were like, oh, damn. This is yes. amazing. Uh, you are amazing. Um, yeah. But no, that's, yeah, that sounds very exciting. And I can definitely imagine how that conversation went down <laughs> with the Bria. So uh, that's that's really awesome. Um, we had another question actually from our from our Patreon, which was uh, from Precious. Uh, Precious wanted to know uh, what is what was your favorite part of the creative process when putting together uh, a show, or I guess this show, uh, um, Misfits of Magic. Like, what was the what was the thing that you enjoyed doing the most? Oh, geez, that's hard. Big question. Uh, I mean, you know, like. <laughs> The thing is, I got to do, like, everything. Like, the Mm. amount of me that's on it is a lot. (laughs) Which is pretty incredible. Uh, My favorite... My favorite might just be... Every moment that I realized that I could do something that I didn't realize... I didn't remember Mm. that I could do because of my position. Mm. So, like, uh, there was this one piece of art that we got and it was great it was fantastic i was like this is cool awesome 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 and then because i was like wait i i get to decide things like another one of those moments like clicked in i was like hey this is super great but like let's make it hella diverse like because we can like it's it's decent as it is but like we can go farther Mm. so like add in some people here and there and like that sort of stuff i'm not gonna ruin what's in the picture it's Mm. great but uh there were, there were a lot of moments like that throughout that were continuously like, oh, I can just make this decision. I can just make this decision. And whether it was like diversity and inclusion or if it was just creative stuff, like the the intro, the book opening and flipping pages and all the, the things written there, it's like, it's my idea. I wrote down all the little things that are in that book. 
Like every word you see pop up that isn't from the uh, from Kids on Brooms. Like I wrote when someone's like, "Oh man, Terminator 2, and it says like Hasta la Vista, babe." That was me. I was like, I really hope this lands. Like, like <laughs> basketball. It's a basketball. I was like, mm. yes. <laughs> and uh, it's really great when people enjoy the aspects that were like a hundred percent me. Even though I think the best aspects are the ones that are the combination of me and Abria and what the players like mm. really brought to it. Yeah, because. They absolutely took off in that world, and like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it must be it must be kind of uh, quite a fun experience as well. Going from going into like making something like that and really kind of then seeing it lived out like in front of you. Do you know what I mean? In a real kind of like literal way. Because I guess even when you, you know, if you if you game design uh, certain things, you still see it like play tested and things. But like this is like a full production. Do you know what I mean? This has got all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Like you're seeing it really like there in front of you, right? Like that must be an amazing, uh, an amazing experience for sure. Like that. That sounds incredible. I um, just wanted to jump back though to what you were saying about having the agency as well, because I just think that's something that's like very important especially when we're talking about like diversity and you being able to like bring diversity, like just being like, Oh, we can definitely do more here. Like, I think that agency is something that, um, a lot of people feel like is still like lacking where we might have diversity in certain areas. If it's not, in- if it's not inclusive in the right way, then people won't feel like they have agency to like bring forward ideas or to present things that would actually change the way that this space operates and the, the way we interact with TTRPGs and things like that. And so I do think like, I think agency is like such a good like buzzword for it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, no, no, no. Like it's Absolutely. not just about having people in certain positions. It's really giving them license and agency and the ability to express themselves and their own like truth and bring that to the table. Cause that's like the strength, right? Like that's your strength as an individual is to be like, Oh, I can bring something that like someone else hasn't bought before. Um, and I think that's so amazing that you get like, you know, even down to those little fine details of like writing stuff in the book. Like that's, that's such a beautiful way of you expressing your, you know, the, like the you in this in this show, and I think that's that's awesome. It's giving me like little goosebumps now. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna go watch this and be like, oh yeah, look, there it is. <laughs> like I love it. I get to be like the, uh, I get to be like the fifth man. Uh, mm. Wait, six. Yeah, the sixth because man. there's five people. I get to be the sixth man uh, <laughs> in the whole thing because it's just like my little peppering of decisions. But also, mm. like, uh, it's through the communication of, like, the artists that I work with and uh, the composer mm. that we worked with and our editors and graphics people and animation people. So it's like mm. uh, I'm trusting people to convey these things that I created uh, and they make it yeah. flawless. They make it better than I thought of. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was actually really curious. What, in terms of, like, your involvement as creative director uh, in conjunction with working with like a dm who i guess would be having to run the show from episode to episode how do you coordinate like how much of say the background and world building is a collaboration between the two of you and like can can you basically describe the process the creative process between you and like abria for this season yeah um from all of the writing has my hand in it and all of the writing has abria's hand in it um, mm. the vast majority of it was stuff that even like whoever came up with a thing, the other person 
like refined it a little bit. That's my favorite mm. like type of person to work with. Mm. Where it's like, mm, oh, mm. you just elevated my thing, and then like Bria come up with something, and I'm like, yo, I can elevate this. And uh, right from the beginning, I opened up a document, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna make the world, we're gonna make the politics, we're gonna like decide everything about this, and like my my uh, perspective as creative director, if I'm working with uh, GM is I want to extend my power to you. So if you're like, this world is going to have this, this, that, then I'm like, totally. I'm just going to make sure that it's, you know, D20 style or whatever, and that, like, uh, it's funny, it's not offensive, whatever mm -hmm, it is. Mm -hmm. And those things are super, super easy to, like, go over. So I'm really just trying to bolster people's creative ideas and, like, come through with uh, ways to round things out and... Uh, let them kind of just go off because mm. like if you're writing this mainline thing, let's say you're just like, Oh, I have all these places I want to make. And you're like, okay, well I have to say who's in this classroom with the name of this building. And so I'm like, no, 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 no. Just keep going with what you're doing. I'll do that. Mm. You just um. like keep going, whatever, stay in your zone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the way that I like to work. So it was pretty much mm. that with the Bria. And then eventually we both got in the zone and we're just like, Hey, I wrote this funny thing. That's so great. Like that's, but that's, that's what like amazing. directing is right. Directing is like facilitating. Yeah. It's like, it's taking a bunch yeah. of like great people and allowing them to do all of their greatness, you know, with some yeah. exactly. of your ideas kind of insert, it in and then you kind of give it to them and they run with that and make it even better and like do the do the cool thing with it and like I think I absolutely agree like it's definitely the most fun part of like I feel like of a creative process for me is when you get together in that room and you start like firing off ideas and things start like you go oh that's that's so much better than the thing that I was doing do you know what I mean yeah. whenever I have to create yeah. something on my own I literally will sit there going around in circles doing exactly what you just said, like writing down the names of the kids in the classroom and like what textbooks the kids have in that in their like thing. And then, OK, right, right. What like and it would be like a constant like cycle. In fact, I'm literally planning a one shot at the moment. And Jeremy very kind of gave me gave up some of his time to like come and like do a little play test with it yesterday. And I woke up this morning and was like, oh, okay, right. I was, yeah, I was going in the wrong direction here because this is what he, like, and as soon as I had that kind of collaborative space, suddenly I felt like the idea has been elevated so much because I really understand, like, right, this is what the world needs. And I was heading in, like, one direction, but I couldn't see it, you know, because I think you can't, yeah. you can never see the whole picture if you're just, if it's just you. I feel like you need someone else to come in and show you, like, have you looked from this angle? Oh, damn. Mm. That's better. <laughs> yeah. I, think Jasper, I think, Jasper, you just highlighted a really interesting point, which is for most people who are DMing, and I think at least from a fan's perspective, the impression of D20 itself, if we're talking about direction or directing like uh, compared to movie directing, because I'm like a big movie fan, uh, or even theater, actually, because the theory went into theater as well. The idea of the auteur theory versus like collaborative theory, auteur meaning like author, um, mm. as if as it, like you have one singular author of this world that then everyone else comes and has to the experience um, like an example, a famous film example would be like Stanley Kubrick, who's like exacting and relentless and is like, it has to be done my way. And this is how we do it. We will do endless takes until we get it right. Uh, and it sounds like you have really gone, you joining in this position has allowed the show, because uh, I don't know the degree to which it was uh, collaborative before, but certainly has, I would imagine, enhanced the uh, element of collaboration. Because I mm -hmm. think for in most cases, uh, collaborative 
directorial experiences are safer and probably healthier for the vast majority of the people involved in the project. Uh, and so I think it's really, really cool that your involvement has been able to facilitate that and that you yourself are so interested in, in facilitating a collaborative uh, environment. Yeah, because it'd be great. very easy to go in there and be like, I am the Lord of D20. Hear me roar, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> I am the captain now. probably let me do that to some degree. Oh, yeah. But that's Not exactly what I mean. They'd be so, they're so nice and supportive. But... <laughs> they definitely let you do it. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, my liege, yes. <laughs> the thing is, uh, just because it's kind of a running gag, but it's also very true, I love One Piece a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the way that I look at the world is that me as me, just me, I can do what I can do. Mm. And me trying to do all these other things that I can't do or I don't do as well or aren't as interesting to me is a waste of time just to be like, it is all authentically me. Rather than, I can get the people who can do the best at each one of these things or exactly what I want at each one of these things and it's going to be mm. far better. Like, I'll even do better in the thing that I do mm. because I won't have to worry about any of that other stuff. Mm. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So it's an incredible thing to like when you have a Bria as your fucking partner, like back to back. Fighting against the horse. It's like playing doubles tennis with Serena Williams or something. It's like, okay, right. well, yeah. I mean, so I'll, just, I'll, yeah. Take the, I'll take the net. You, do you know what I mean? You get back there and we'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. And then you go on screen. You have Danielle Radford. Mm. You have Lou Wilson. Lou Wilson. Oh, Lou Wilson. Uh, <laughs> Erica Ishii. And then Brennan Lee Mulligan. And I'm like, these are people that I can trust with this stuff. Mm. This is... This is uh, a group that I know is going to approach this in ways that are going to be very important to their personal stories and the personal stories of a lot of people out there. 
and uh, I'm going to make sure that it's as safe as possible and as fun as possible and that they really get like the shine that they deserve. Yeah. So I think safety is a big one, actually, Jeremy. And I think like, I'm glad that you brought that up as well. And, and, and as well, you there, Ryan, just like I think that there is safety in numbers do you know what I mean I think the more voices and and, and like uh, and people that you trust you have around you to kind of like ask them questions about these kinds of things will improve the kind of like just generally how like safe and kind of together like your work will feel and I think because we often do like uh, like DM tips or GM tips and stuff on the show and I think like that might be a good one for this uh, you know this episode which is like if you're a gm and maybe you're like kind of coming up against something that you're not too sure how to like handle like find another gm find them like someone else and just get like a different perspective on it do you know what i mean like especially if there's someone who's a little bit removed from like your lived experience because i think like what that could then add to what you eventually create is like is huge do you know what i mean like it's 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 so massive like even just having someone growing up in a different area might give you something something so a, a, a perspective on something you're trying to create that's so different you go oh that's like either not what i was trying to create or that's oh that oh yeah i was kind of in the right area here because you're getting a similar vibe from it that, that i am and so yeah i think that that's a i think safety and uh, uh like that i think is a is a really interesting um a really interesting point um we did have another question actually which was i was very interested to know for you what's the difference between making a TTRPG like show, like very something that's very explicitly a show versus mm. something that's like, you know, to be played at home or like a home game or, you know, cause I feel like that's, I feel like we've definitely experienced that. I don't think I'm speaking for yeah. myself uh-huh. in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, we have like an actual play show and we've definitely sat down and had like very creative, just like, you know, chats, the, the three of us about how this works and what's good yes. and what parts work and what parts don't work. And it's, it's, something we I don't think we ever really planned to do <laughs> we got like halfway through <laughs> the no. season and went we should probably talk about whoa, whoa, this because I don't whoa, whoa, wait whoa, where whoa, are we do you know what I mean? hang on. what's happening so like yeah, yeah for yeah. you I'm wondering like um because I don't think I'm wrong in thinking that you're but like before this a lot of the stuff that you made was like for like use in like home games or like you know it was like t- the games you'd like pick up and play as opposed to like explicitly a show so I'm just wondering what yeah. the kind of if there's like a slight shift for you in 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 the creating of uh, of this of the show for uh, well this first show for for D twenty first of May, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's an addition that is like the viewers are kind of a player, mm. and you have to have mechanics for the viewers, and I don't mean like in game really. It's like there the the viewers having fun and being a part of the game comes down to what you can bring forth, and of course the actors, our GM, our cast, they do a lot, but there's also the element of, okay, which game are we going to play? Because is this game going to be easy to understand? When we make the graphics for how exploding dice work, is it going to look in, like in a way that makes sense to people? Mm. Uh, when we pull up this music, what, what emotion do you feel like it's going to convey? Like, do we want to cut this scene shorter or let it run long? There's all these things that are someone's attention going to survive through this mm. thing that's a little bit longer, that's like mm. more deep or emotional, or do we want to cut it so that it flows in a particular way? There are like all these elements to it that I really think from a viewer's perspective, because a part of the reason that like uh, I fit so well for this job is that I've been analyzing things that I've watching since I was a kid, just mm. because mm. the thought in my head was, I want to know why this is good. Like, mm. 
it was always mm. what makes this so good like to me to like other people mm-hmm. uh and mm-hmm. so i just constantly like what is it what is it what is it so i'm thinking like that all the time and for uh having a show where i get like a ton of tools to be able to do a bunch of wild things it's a lot easier uh than even like a home game because not only are is there like all the production and uh being able to stop if anything is happening someone's like i'm uncomfortable cameras boom like Mm. everything stops we can do all that sort of stuff uh there's also the aspect of being able to plot and plan ahead because we know how many episodes we have yeah like Mm -hmm. Me and Abria were like, we have four episodes, so we basically have to try and structure those episodes by, it's not necessarily like, this thing is going to be this episode, but it's, these are places that we have to get if we're going to continue on to the story and get to the end. Yes. So, it really sort of like, it's, it's just a, a bone structure. And in, interestingly, uh, people talk a, a lot about how, like, they think that D20 is, like, heavily scripted. Mm. It's not really like it may be slightly more than a home game, but it's really just let's say if you said we're going to do a three shot and you knew what you were going to do in those three things. Yeah. And the players didn't know what they were going to do <laughs> in those <laughs> yeah. three things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with just a little bit extra of us just making sure that these actors are getting what they want, uh, that these players are getting what they want. If they're like, I want to play a character like this that is going to go through this kind of thing, like I'm going to explore this kind of feeling or whatever, then it's just when a Brie is there live GMing, okay, well, here are the opportunities that I'll have to like let you get into the thing you wanted to get into mm-hmm. or whatever character flavor and stuff like that. So uh, there's a lot of that in in home games and uh, there's a lot of that in Dimension 20 and ours is, uh, I think what makes it look so scripted is the editing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, you take out the gaps and the like little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. All the mistakes, like six people talking over each other yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that's what it really is. But it's, it's very, very organic. And when you watch uh, Misfits and Magic, you can see on screen them just having the time of their lives mm. because we're constantly surprising them and like offering them new things. And uh, this is the first time that any of them, I think, had played in person with anybody since quarantine had started. Wow, yeah. So wow, like, it's yeah. electric. It is absolutely electric. That's amazing. That, act- that actually leads into another question from one of our patrons, uh, which is Donovan Pankey, who asks, uh, th- first of all, thank you, Donovan. Uh, do the players know where they need to get to? I think you just answered that. <clears throat> they don't, but you do. Uh, and they yeah. say, they, uh, they say I, pro- I know Brennan probably has a sense, as do the rest, but how do you make sure you get from point A to point B? This is a really interesting question because me and Brennan had a conversation about this uh, post-recording. Because, uh, like I said, I'm sitting here trying to analyze what makes things good. And uh, Misfits and Magic is a great story. There are certain ways that the characters are shaped that have strengths and weaknesses. And so those strengths and weaknesses are things that you are able to pull at as a GM or as a storyteller, even within world building, in order to loop the importance of that character's arc or that character's feelings into the things that are happening mm. inside of the game, inside of the show for us. So 
uh, it's really about understanding like catalyst events in where you want to push somebody's story forward. Like in episode one, Erica Ishii casts a spell and pink comes out and it's like, that's, that's a first step in something going on uh, and Mm. continuously tying in. Okay. Well, here's a moment where we're going to directly talk about or face or reveal whatever it is that your character is thinking about going through trying to achieve. Um, and that's, I mean, especially with a, such a short amount of time, mm. that's really how you, really how you do it. And some people play where like, they don't even have those elements and they sort of just support other people and like, are like super heavy improv based. Like I think Lou Wilson just honestly, like in most of his work, it's just like, I'm just going to kind of support everybody. Mm. Even when I'm like the focus, I am a support. Mm. And also that has made it so that my moments are very much like in in depth, important, like this whole other side to it. So there's a lot of different ways and it's really about knowing like your players and your actors. But, uh, Mm. Yeah, they also know that uh, they want to go home, uh, yeah. so we're not going to be there. <laughs> They're going to be like, Let's do "Look, this. we got to keep going." I don't feel like we resolved it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like people are going to be like, "No, let's let's keep moving along because we have a shooting schedule." But that's yeah, that's a definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is one of the big things that makes people think that stuff is scripted. Because I always get like really having played, especially having played in like home games versus you know like show games or whatever. I definitely like. I don't. Re- I don't. I definitely don't play any different as an as a, like a as a player. Do you know what I mean? I think the only mm-hmm. real difference is is that maybe there's just like a little bit of more um, faith and trust that you put in the DM, where you kind of go like, right, I know for a fact that like you need us to get somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So I'm right. not gonna like do something which. I'm like, I kind of tempted to do, but might just break the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the sort of stuff maybe I wouldn't do when, like, I'm getting a little bit hyper on sugar and we're playing a home game, and I'm like, ah, let's cast Fireball. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, well, yeah. no, that's not being, like, supportive <laughs> and a good part of the storytelling. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think we talk about it a lot on this show, which is, like, even as a player, it's so important that you understand, like, your responsibility to, like, support the story and support your GM or or DM or yeah. whatever, to help create the story because you're creating it together, right? There's only so much that you're... Yeah. Like, your DM is just... Uh, or GM is just providing you with a framework for you to play in. So, like, really, yeah. the story is yours. Do you know what I mean? Like, I always think, yeah. like, if you took the stories out of any... Uh, the characters out of any story, you wouldn't have a narrative. This, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You'd just yeah. have, like, a... You know, you'd have the Silmarillion, effectively. You'd have just, like, a you'd lot of <laughs> declarations <laughs> of stuff that happened in this... Uh, you know, like, that would be it. It wouldn't yeah. be, like, an actual, like this, you know, dynamic kind of thing that's happening. Um, and also, like, the, because that emotional through line is so important and we connect with people, we connect with individuals, mm. and that's what lends itself to it. But I think it's that, like, classic, basic actor, like, awareness or game. Who's in major, who's in minor, and when is that shifting? Mm, 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 mm. Like, you know, balance of space. There's a, there's, a, there's a plate on a chopstick, and you've got to keep it up. Mm-hmm. And if you're too heavy-handed one way, it's going to tip. If you're too heavy-handed the other way. And I think when... I think... Also, like you keep saying, like trusting your players or trusting the actors and the GM, who's also another player as well. It's everybody's kind of actively listening mm. and listening out for am I in support or is this a moment or, OK, I'm going to hold back now because this is happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, major minor. <laughs> the big difference is that uh, in, it, like in actual Absolutely. play shows, you don't hear someone sat there going, oh, sorry, can you just repeat where? Can you what? what, what where am I? Where am I on the battlefield? It's because everyone's actually listening all the time. 
time so you don't get that yeah. moment like <laughs> you know yeah. like cause that happens a lot in home games people are just like oh sorry I was just fully ordering my shopping um what were you saying Come on, yeah. Part of it too comes yeah. down to the fact that like improv is a big part mm. of the show, and I mean that like not just improvising, but the actual structure of improv. Because like this is college humor, and a lot of people are from college humor or like worked with them. Uh, the structure of improv is like someone comes in and they're super high energy. You don't come in and also be super high energy mm-hmm. unless you have, like, a plan. You want to, like, contrast them. I'm the super low energy mm. best friend. This is just, like, a super simplistic version. Mm. But in that yeah. way, now you have a contrast and you, you two can play off of this contrast. And if things start to change, the other person knows to change with it in some way. Mm. So mm. Uh, there's a the, – I think one of the differences for us is that we play with some – Improvish, not rules, but there's a certain sort of like guideline to how it goes down, and it's knowing when to come in with a joke, knowing when the beats are, knowing when to switch over to whoever's next moment, stuff like that, and when mm-hmm. to let Abria take the reins and move us on to the next place. That's all stuff that if you like go and do some improv, you will have those skills. Like that's a lot of what it's like. Is this all scripters? Like no, they just know how to do a scene. They know how to wrap mm-hmm. up the scene. They, yeah. they want to yeah. go, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that yeah. is that, that is definitely that is definitely it. And I think that um I think maybe that's why for me, like everything, every show I've ever listened to, I'm like, this feels so organic. This feels totally like normal and organic yeah. and whatever. Because it's again, it's just like there's not those blunders or those weird kind of slightly awkward tense moments that you might get like in a home mm. game where you've got someone who maybe is just kind of butting up a little bit against that energy, like you said, or that kind of you know. Which is not to say that's wrong or that you're doing something wrong. It's just like, but that I think that is just where like training comes into it. Do you know what I mean? Where people have yeah. been yeah. Phys- actually trained in this thing, which trained I think some people for forget. Years. You know what I mean? Like some people forget. <laughs> 20,000 pounds yeah, a exactly. year. 60,000 pounds. I think it's important to even draw a distinction between what we're talking about, which is actor improv training, mm. and what mm. I believe Orion is talking about, which is like straight up American Second City oh, yeah, uh, UCB sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. comedy yeah, sure. improv That's training. Because yeah. those are very different beasts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they, like when you talk about structure, I've done a little bit of reading on like American improv, and mm. like I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is like a full system. Mm. Mm-hmm. that they've worked yeah. out. I yeah. don't think they usually teach that kind of thing at drama school. I think what, at drama school, there may really be elements of it, but you mm-hmm. don't have like specific names for the different like improvisational styles and approaches and theories and all these different things. It's more mm-hmm. like being present and open and trying to respond. And so I think that there's a really interesting difference when I listen to shows that are actually just actors. Cause there's mm-hmm. like our show, we're just, we're actors. There's mm-hmm. another show that I really like called no small roles. They're all actors. And then when I listen to uh, dimension 20, where they're, they're acting, but and some of them may be actors, but they're also improv improvisers. Mm. And like, there's a different, there's a whole different like speed and like mentality that comes in. Uh, and it's really, I think, I think part of why, yeah, I think part of why there are fewer lengthy soliloquies in something like D twenty uh, as opposed yeah. to something that's acting like it's all actors. Yeah. They're like. This is my moment. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what are you trying to say, man? What are you trying no, to say? Um, if you're going to call yeah, me out right now in front of Ryan, me. then I'm just gonna, say yeah, it. You're going to ask me. First of, all, first of all, I will always find my life, okay? I will Even always. if it's an audio-based medium, you will, I will find your life. I will always find my life, okay? Thank you very much. I have, 
I have added all. I, I put at and then just every actor I know, including myself. <laughs> really long. Find your life, babes. Find your life. That's funny. <laughs> it's just that is a really good point that you brought up because yeah. uh, as tabletop continues to expand in entertainment and we start doing more stuff. This is not a promise to literally any human being, but it would be helpful to you in any situation on a tabletop show. If you're trying to move up in the world, learn how to do improv, mm. like like American style improv, even if it's just some of the structure and stuff, because it is really being able to control pace, being able to know when to come in and come out. Because a lot of the time when I'm watching shows, people just run long or too short mm-hmm. with some things. And it's it's really kind of like knowing how to make a play as you're you're acting it out, uh, mm, mm. and that is that is something that is probably like in my top three of things that I would want in a tabletop actor. Mm. And I think also there's just like I generally do think there's just like a lot of transferable skills in that. Like I remember like I just got better at being feeling more comfortable and talking to people uh once like i'd had some level of improv training you know i used to find yeah stuff like uh, just really overwhelming talking in front of people doing like presentations whatever it's like stuff you do in like very normal everyday life if you have like a you know like a a, a, a real job as i like to call it you know like out in the real world and you're not messing around with fantasy and just like this but like so i did like generally like i just think improv is a good thing for you like and i think it's a good thing for your soul you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a yeah. fun yeah. thing where you get to embrace being a little bit of that, you know, get that, like, inner child and that kind of, like, I'm just going to throw myself in. I'm just going to listen to my friends and I'm just going to be oh. present with you for a minute instead of, like, having to worry about all this other stuff. Like, it's it's lovely. Yeah. And a little bit of clowning if you're a masochist. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you like being shown who you are yeah. oh, and how man. not funny you oh, are for man. a very long time clowning. and hearing those clogs and go is there more is there more, is there is more? There more? okay no uh, 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 soul destroyer yeah 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 clowning is that why Ooh. you think you're not funny now Unati is that huh? is that what did it yeah yeah is yeah, that clown that's, that's what, what did, did it? it oh no I remember, I remember having, this is a complete tangent, but I remember having a very strange oh. experience with uh, when we were doing clowning in which I, my classmates didn't laugh at a single joke I had made <laughs> for weeks and weeks. And oh, I remember no. being like, I am the least funny, worst improv, whatever it is, like clown in the world. Like it just everything fell flat, like so hard. Even when I clearly just like, it, like, I didn't even get pity laughs when I clearly set up and did a joke. Like, do you know what I mean? This was like, this is a joke. Oh, no. And there wasn't, it was nothing. And then I remember I got in front of an audience of like, uh, of like a random people from the drama school and I was the funniest person there. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> and everyone was just uproaring everything I did. And I, I think that's what fed into it because I was genuinely clowning at the time because every time I turned to look at the audience, there was a genuine wide-eyed amazement in my face. I was just like, <laughs> and it just feels what like- is going on? What? It's great. What? You- me? Me? Like, yeah. like, like me? Is it me? And then yeah. you literally do the thing when you point exactly. and they me? keep laughing and you're like, yeah, Do you think it's that your classmates weren't as supportive? Like, no. is it in that when you got in front of an audience, no. they just liked no, it No, not at all. I just think for me, I just, I don't think I was that person in the, in the, in the room. Like, I just don't think they were like... They weren't expecting anything like that of me. They weren't like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't say what it is. My friends find me funny now. But at the time, <laughs> I didn't even get a pity laugh. 
I still bring it up you know on mean? a frequent basis. I play D and D with a lot of them, and I'm like, "Hey, do you remember when you used to like not laugh at my, any of my jokes?" Yeah, I still yeah, remember, remember that. Remember? I'm still scarred by it. I, I, Thank I hold you. that trauma. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I remember in clowning, it was when I found tragic clown, mm. and then I was funny. Yeah. Then I was funny. Then I was like, "Oh, so you like my trauma?" <laughs> cool, cool, oh, cool, cool, no. cool, 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 awesome, cool, awesome. <laughs> Um, oh, I'll no. do that then. So uh, I'm very, very conscious of the time, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we love we love a tangent on this show. We always go wild on a tangent. Yeah. Um, it's all good. Uh, but I, I'm sort of very conscious of the time, and I'd love to. We always do. We have like a tradition with our guests, uh, which is where we get to ask them a for a tale from the table. Uh, this is like can be anything uh, a wacky or wild from uh, either like a home game. It could be something that's happened, uh, you know, in like a stream or something um but just something that's like totally wild and bonkers that you've just stuck with you uh like a little moment uh we've had some we've had some amazing ones we've we've run the gambit a bit recently we've had some emotional ones we've had some Mm. some really powerful ones uh we had we had the full soliloquy from brennan actually hilariously he gave Mm. us a full you know uh quite a quite a good one so yeah anything you have uh we'd love to hear it I have like no memory, so <laughs> just nothing. Oh, welcome. Just nothing. Uh, I feel you. So this isn't exactly exactly the thing, but it was when I was writing Mutants in the Night, mm. and I uh, I started uh, play testing it at different cons, mm. um, and Mutants in the Night is something that's like really close to my heart. It's not nearly as popular as uh, Plot Armor, but like <laughs> the thing about Means in the Night is it's about like it's written for black people and it intersects with all other marginalizations as best as I possibly could make it. And what's really great is that there was this one time, it was probably a table of like five or five to seven people, and we just went through character creation. Mm. And in character creation in that game, there's a big focus on you deciding what your relationship with society is like based off of how you look, Mm -hmm. based off of if uh, you pass as one thing or another as a human or a mutant Mm -hmm. on if you have powers or not, if like what what uh, your different hobbies are, your culture, a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, we were probably around the end. And one person who, who's actually a, a friend of mine just started crying and was like, I just haven't felt like I've been able to represent myself like that in a game before. Wow. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to be mean, but that's the best <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have a smile on my <laughs> yeah. face yeah. while you're tearing up. I'm, like, I'm not like, I'm not smiling go. at that. I'm not smiling yeah. at you right, right now, right. but I'm, nice. I'm smiling nice. with you. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to dap up uh, your friend. Yeah. What really came of that at that convention were just moments where people were creating the culture before we even started playing the game of like communities and their relationship with the different communities and groups that are in there and how they perceive the world, how they de-stress, how they like connect with others. And it always is like the coolest thing. Mm. And I think, wait, my top, top moment, Mm -hmm. small thing, something very specific. Do it, do it, do it. Is when, uh, we were doing one with uh, this player named Yoshi, amazing person. And Yoshi was making some stuff that was like kind of Hawaiian. And uh, so like he was leading that whole thing. And uh, at one point 
he was like, oh yeah, and I have a secret handshake with like one of the groups. It was like called the Littles because they're like all these basically orphans that take care of each other <laughs> up to a certain age. Mm-hmm. And uh, he used to be one uh, when he was very young. And he had a secret handshake. It was like, oh, and we have a secret handshake. And me and him just made a secret handshake on the spot. And I was like, that's one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> that's one of the coolest <laughs> things that's ever happened to me. That was so tight. Uh, <laughs> tight, tight, tight. It's like that world just like became so much more real for everyone. Because mm. you mm. have these tiny details that people get into. Yeah. that's Those are my favorite moments thinking back on. I love that. Like, yeah. I think uh, I'm... I, I want to play Mutants of the Night now, so good plug yeah. on that because I'm like I'm, yeah. I'm like mm, okay, mm, I like this. I, anything superhero, I am like one that like thousand percent there. Like anything, I just love it. Um, so um, I'm gonna have to play that now. That's another one shot to add to yeah. our list. So um, <laughs> yep, yep. Add it, add we're it, gonna add, add that. Um, yeah, we fun. have not ticked anything off of this list, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay. Yeah, just get longer and longer. Um, yeah. But uh, Orion, thank you so much. Uh, for coming on the show it's like incredible and amazing to see you getting your flowers for all this incredible work that you've done and uh, just yeah so excited for Misfits and Magic to keep kicking ass and being amazing Um, and your superhero team up with Abria it kind of is like some Avengers level stuff right now like you Brennan Abria Lou like it's like it really is coming together I I absolutely love to see it Um, so please tell uh, our listeners uh, feel free to shout stuff out Uh, where can they find you uh, and your work um and yeah anything that you want to like plug please the the mic is yours you can find me at orion d black on just about anything that i'm on unless i don't want you to find me on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh so my twitter and my instagram and um my work i'm really into just my present work which is on uh, dropout.tv dimension 20 Misfits and Magic, and if you've seen the first episode, let me tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet. Ooh, yeah. How exciting. How, how exciting. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here. This has been uh, an absolute blast to get to talk to you, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get to chat to you again sometime soon, and uh, yeah, we're definitely going to have to play uh, Mutants in the Night, so yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah, it is. Yeah, gonna... on the list. On, um, on... And then, uh, yeah, for anyone else uh, who hasn't uh, seen or heard much of us, then you can find us at TB Halflings uh, wherever uh, you uh, get your social media from, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find our Patreon, which is also uh, at uh, sort of slash TB Halflings, uh, Patreon slash TB Halflings. Uh, Go support these people on Patreon. Yay! Now. Yay! Um, thank you for that shout out. Uh, yeah, and so uh, come find us, uh, come hang out, come chat to us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if obviously you've heard in this as well, like that you get the opportunity sometimes to ask your get our guests questions which is cool how cool is that how many other shows get you get to you get to ask questions to Orion D Black so do you know what I mean like that's come on uh, beautiful <laughs> that is it I'm out of things to say so <laughs> I will we will see you very soon so long Shire Folk so long, so long Shire, Folk. Shire Folk goodbye <laughs>
That was a HeadGum Podcast.